Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast, your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast. I am your host, Joel, and with me we have the DG crew. We've got... With me right now, Fergus Hamilton. How are you? I'm good, JB. How are you, mate? Yeah. No complaints. No, no complaints. complaints. What have we been playing this week? Uh, this week, I jumped back into Cyberpunk after a oh. very long hiatus. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, there's been a few updates and stuff like that. So, I thought I'd... Uh, Jump back in and see how it is. It's very interesting that you say that because uh, I'm in a similar boat too. I've also decided to jump back in. So pretty keen to uh, have a bit of a chat about that later on. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, I'll introduce one of our other hosts. This is Simon McLaughlin. How are you, Simon? I'm good and that is definitely my name. That's a good thing. That's a good thing that you want to tell me about is my name. And that's it. That's my name. What have you been playing, Simon? <laughs> have you been jumping into anything this week? Yeah, no, we've been playing Pokemon Legends Arceus at the moment. Um, and that would be on re- Nintendo Switch? That's on, Yeah, well, you'd be hard-pressed to play it on PlayStation unless you've severely <laughs> rom-hacked the living daylights out of it or if you're playing it on an illegal platform on your PC. But, um, no, it's, it's really cool. Um, I don't know if you guys have been playing it or not, but... Um, I think it's a really good next step for Pokemon. Whether or not um, it's a next step that I think uh, is going to transition into the next games, I think we can talk a little bit about that later on because we've also got some cool Pokemon news that's just happened recently. But, um, yeah, it's it's a really cool game. And I, I think that it's doing all the right things, but is it doing enough? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm pretty keen to hear a bit more about that um, as we continue on. And finally... Casey McLaughlin. How are you, Casey? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good. What That's have you good. been playing this I'm, week? Um, oh, I'm an avid Wordle fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worldwide craze of you guess one word a day on your phone. No, and I'm also playing Pokemon with Simon. Ah, excellent. Well, my... I must admit... Um, one thing that's been taking up a big amount of my time and it's, I mean, it's been just a crazy last few weeks as far as gaming is concerned. Um, and the, the the big one that's dropped in my lap that I've been spending a lot of time with is Horizon, um, mm. Horizon Forbidden West on PlayStation 5. So um, this is the next big open world title from the team at Guerrilla Games and um, obviously their second entry in the Horizon series and um, without uh, wanting to get into any spoilers about the story and that sort of thing because it's still a fairly new game and I'm sure that um, 
people do not want to hear story spoilers about the game yet. I'd love to um, share just some first impressions of mine um, about about the game and, um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that. Um, ha- has anyone else actually had a, had a chance to get into this one yet? Well, I was going to jump in and say I'm yet to play any of the games in the series. So, <clears throat> off the bat, I'm predominantly playing games on PC. So, the first Horizon game... I think maybe mid last year was the year before was released oh. on pc and i've had it on a watch list for a long time on steam but I haven't pulled the trigger yet so yeah well i must admit um it launched on playstation 4 in 2017 i think so it's been out for a while this is horizon zero dawn and when i got the playstation 5 and was waiting for a few new titles to launch on there um that was one of the big ones that I wanted to to grab a hold of and um, and just sort of explore because I knew that Horizon Forbidden West was coming and it was being promoted as a really big title for the for the PS5, almost like you know something that you could consider a flagship title. And so I thought, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get into that and and see what the hype's all about there, it's probably something I need to go back and play number one and you know get across the story. What about you guys, Simon and Casey? Yeah, we got it pretty much around launch. So what? we do this a lot. We get zero games dawn. around launch. Zero yeah, dawn. Zero yeah. Dawn. Yeah, so we got Zero Dawn around launch. And unfortunately, it was just a really funny time because it was at the same time that Breath of the Wild came out. I think Breath of the Wild came out maybe a week after. And so we played Zero Dawn mm-hmm. for about a week. And then, I mean, I'm a Zelda geek and Casey's the same. Casey's a Zelda geek too. So we kind of got into that and sort of put Horizon away for a long time. And then... <laughs> Years. Yeah. And then, you know, we kind of came back to it or at least I came back to it for a little bit just to do some side missions and pick it back up again because I was having a, a good time with it. And I just found... I don't know, like... I'm being overcritical of it and I know that I am, but I found when I got back into it that there was a lot that I had wrong with the game that kind of took me out of it a lot. I mean, I don't know if you notice this, Joel, when you're playing it, but I noticed that some of the the sort of the interactions with NPC characters feel really weird. They feel kind of a little bit outdated. And I think as far as I can tell from a lot of other people's first impressions of the, of the sequel that things have changed a lot and... Um, you know, it's a lot more cinematic, but I kind of, it stopped me from enjoying my experience enough that I, A, I didn't want to do the side missions because I didn't care about the characters and, and B, I kind of just got a little bit too lost and didn't want to pick up the game and go again. Um, even though I was still having fun with all of the mechanics in the game and still enjoying the game to a degree, I just found that it didn't grab me enough that I wanted to hop back in, but I I feel like I should, but I haven't. (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's one of these things. I think it's a fair criticism of the game. I mean, it's it's, it's one of these things with massive um, open world games in general. Um, there's just so much content there and so many of them now are, are fairly non-linear in terms of how they play. And, um, you know, when, you've, when, you've, when you're sort of spoiled for choice and you've got so many options, um, right. it could be a bit overwhelming to, to sort of get into. Um and my my first sort of impressions with Forbidden West, um, well, the f- the first thing when I when I bought it, I was expecting to have a game that's 
really visually stunning and certainly like all of the the stuff that they released in the lead up to launch um looked amazing you know the graphics that they had on display during the state of play that playstation released last year all looked pretty amazing and um so i had very big expectations for how the game was going to look and the first thing that i've sort of noticed was all these um, glitches as far as graphics and, um, you know, objects popping in at, at strange sort of distances and uh, and things like that. And so, to be honest, straight off the bat, that, that sort of disappointed me a bit that a game that should have been, yeah. you know, pretty polished at launch still had a lot of these little graphical bugs, which I think, I think now they've released a patch that's fixed many of those things, but... Um, but yeah, that was that was a bit of a bit of a disappointment right off the bat with it. I don't know if um, yeah. you've experienced that sort of thing as well. Uh, well, we haven't actually been playing it, so I, we didn't pick it up on launch day. But I, I hear what you're saying, though. I mean, with a lot of games now, it feels like we're getting games sold to us that aren't finished yet, and they're selling them to us at full price, not finished, only to update them later on. And this is happening a lot. I mean, we just finished talking about Cyberpunk 2077. So, um, you know, I think in that regard, it is frustrating and um, it does immediately raise alarm bells for you because you look at the whole scope of, um, you know, a company like Guerrilla Games functioning under the PlayStation Studios banner, you expect them to be of a certain quality. And when that quality is not completely delivered or it's not finished, it makes you kind of feel... Like you, you feel like you've been robbed because you're expecting a certain quality. Like with, with Pokemon, like I can expect the Game Freak's not going to bring me a, a really great Pokemon experience ever anymore because it's just like money, money, money. Like put out a Pokemon game, get a lot of money, good times. But I mean, um, I, I'll touch more on that when we start talking about um, a bit of the news from this week. But um, I totally know what you're saying. Like it, it feels really frustrating when you pick up a game and it's not finished you know it's not it's not what you expected to expected it to be and it's not like you can take it back and say hey game's not finished can i can i have can i have something else like i mean you can if you you get your games at eb and all that kind of stuff because you've got a you know a week to play them before you have to take them back and all that kind of stuff so you can return things based on that and i know that digitally you can too but it's it's still just really frustrating um just on on this obviously with um, all the stuff that went on with with Cyberpunk 2077, um, there was a huge controversy. I mean, they were asked to take the game off the PlayStation Store at one point because it was so broken and so glitchy. Um, is this is this a game that you've ever spent any time playing, Casey? Have you had had any um, time with Cyberpunk? Neither of us have had any time with Cyberpunk. Um, we kind of steered clear of it didn't we of cyberpunk yeah from the get-go mainly because you know it's i think when you have that much bad press and that's again coming from a big company like you know um oh i forget their name now (laughs) cd project red yeah coming from a company like that and off the the success of the witcher series and then just kind of plummeting into something like that is i feel like that's a really um 
it's a hard ask to for me to fork out any money towards it, even at the ten dollars or five dollars that it got sold at late in its kind of initial life. That, yeah, really? yeah, it got wow. dropped right down. Wow. But yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come back to um, we'll come back to Cyberpunk later on because um, uh, I'm interested in hearing Ferg's thoughts on it because I too have jumped into Cyberpunk for the first time. Uh, since um, CD Projekt Red dropped the the remaster for PlayStation Five, um, I think two weeks ago, uh, with all the remastered graphics, they've now enabled the ray tracing and frame rate improvements on there, which I know um, uh, frame rate issues and that were a big uh, criticism of the game when it launched on PS4. Um, and my, uh, you know, I'll, I'll share my first impressions of it. Um, with the the version that they've released now, um, but um, yeah, just still on on the uh, point of Horizon uh, Forbidden West, um, with the graphic the graphical glitches aside, um, I can say right off the bat, one of the things I liked about Horizon Zero Dawn when I played through that the first time was the amazing story that Guerrilla had crafted that that drives the player through the game. Um, it's certainly what I'd consider to be up there with one of the best, you know, narratives of any open world game that I've ever played. And I'm very happy to say that Forbidden West continues that tradition and just drops you in and picks up, I think, about six months where um, Zero Dawn finished. So there's like about mm. a six-month gap and then it picks up the story and, and continues it on from there. And it just does not disappoint. You, you're dropped right into the middle of the action. And um, immediately you, you, you're just off and running with this one. And, and so far, just everything that's been happening has just been a series of almost jaw-dropping moments for me. Just going, wow, you know, this, this is incredible. Um, and certainly... I'd say from a gameplay point of view, um, the gameplay seems to be fairly similar to the way it played in Horizon Zero Dawn. The the fighting mechanics and and you know certainly coming up against the the big mechanical machine, you know, robots and dinosaurs and and that sort of thing that are, that are all throughout the game um, still plays very similar with with a few tweaks and enhancements here and there. Um, so sort of all the best parts about Zero Dawn they've kept in there, but then they've added some elements. Um, like during the state of play, they showed um, the main character, Aloy, uh, flying with a with a wing that was sort of like, almost looked like a shield. And in, in the game, it's called the shield wing, um, mm. uh, amusingly. Um, but when you said Breath of the Wild earlier, Simon, that... That was the first thing that it made me think of because obviously in Breath of the Wild you had that 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 sort of um, hang glider thing that Link could use to fly around and and that was such yeah. a cool element of that game and uh, it's it's cool that they've now integrated something similar into Horizon I think. No, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> now you've maybe wanted after playing now. Crap. Another thing that kind of um, bugged me though about number one, um, after playing Breath of the Wild, is in Breath of the Wild, obviously, you're able to go everywhere. So you can climb anywhere, you can go anywhere you want, 
that sort of freedom, it's really hard to maneuver from that freedom and then go to somewhere where, you know, everything's kind of mapped out for you in regards of where you're allowed to go. Uh, is there any more freedom in Forbidden West as far as climbing is concerned or is it still sort of a mapped out climbing path that you must follow in order to get to a certain area, kind of like Uncharted-esque, you know? So like if you're climbing a wall in Uncharted, you have to go a certain area, like, you know, a way to get up. Is that, is that kind of a similar mechanic that's being used or are you able to kind of do what you like? Well, I think the, the climbing mechanic has always been um, a pretty big critique um, of Horizon Zero Dawn, um, certainly something I've heard mentioned quite a few times. And I think they've improved on it in Forbidden West, but it's still a little bit clunky. So um, yeah. there's a number of uh, sort of accessibility settings that you can set up when you're, when you're first starting the game. And one of them is an option. Um, so if you press uh, the the R3 button, um, Aloy's focus will do a quick scan of the surrounding area and it will highlight anywhere that's like a handhold or somewhere where you can grab on to, to climb. And I okay. almost find it's, it's almost impossible to scale the side of a cliff or something without doing that first so you can see where she's able to grab onto and and so the, i think they've improved it but it's still not great and it's still not um not as good as what you'd expect in in some of the the games that have done this really well like um breath of the wild for example yeah, yeah. Oh, cool so how many hour, hours are you in jb um <clears throat> Well, I don't know. Conservatively, I'd say I'm probably 20 hours in. Um, and uh, it's it's been hard to, to sort of say, well, what do I do? Do I do I do side quests and try and build the character up and, and, you know, try and get a sort of to a higher level so that it makes the main quest stuff a bit easier? Or, well, I'm really hungry for the story. So I've... Uh probably more more opted to go down the the main quest line um but i'm also a bit conscious that i mean it is a good game and i i, I sort of don't want to burn through it too quickly um because um you know once it's once it's done it's done isn't it yeah yeah that's it Fair enough. yeah well if we can just um move on from horizon for now um just wanted to go through a little bit of gaming news that uh, dropped last week. So um, apparently, uh, according to sources familiar with the situation, executives in charge of the Call of Duty franchise, so these would be people at Activision, I presume, um, That's it. Have, have made the decision um, after a recent entry in the series failed to meet expectations. So this would be... Call of Duty Vanguard, which I've heard nothing but but bad <laughs> bad things about. Um, so that they're now delaying the typical annual call of release um, planned for 2023, uh, and they're pushing it into twenty twenty four. Now, how does how does everyone feel about that? Are we, are we big on Call of Duty around the table? Call of Duty's it's fine. 
I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things. That five been, stars. Yeah, five stars. Must buy. <laughs> uh, they've just spat one out every year for yeah. I don't know how many years. Too many years. So it's just getting a little bit long in the tooth. The games are fine, but they're not really doing anything different between releases. So mm. whether they, you know, don't release a main game next year, I think that's probably a good thing. They're still going to release, you know, their modern warfare stuff. They'll release content next year, but I think a year off in the series will only be good. <clears throat> and I think, you know, when I heard this news, the first thing I thought of was as a bit of a comparison is Assassin's Creed. It was the oh same Oh my God, thing. I was just about to say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I think they did eight years in a row where they released a game every year. Mm. And then they decided after a couple of failures to take a year off and they released Origins, which, you know, wasn't an amazing game, but they actually made some big changes to the combat system and it turned into more of an open world exploration kind of game. And it was like a really refreshing take on the series, which I thought was really good. And since then, I think, I don't know, they've had one or two years in between releases and I think the series has been good for it. So I think the other thing worth learning other thing simon refuses oh, yeah I simon refused. refuses to play another assassin's creed game i'm i really want to play what's that um Valhalla. is the newest one yeah and he will not let us play it because no, he's been scarred from there's been too many times where i have easily just given ubisoft money this is not even about ubisoft this, this is all about, about ubisoft it's not about talking about assassin's too many creed. times i've given ubisoft money <laughs> because i'm like yeah i really want to play uh assassin's creed 2 again because i really liked that game and then every other one afterwards i just i just didn't like what do you and because all, all it was was some fish flying through no, the no, air in the city that's that just the matter. fish flying through the air in the city that looked good i found once assassin's creed moved onto a different control scheme on number three the control scheme is completely warped they changed a lot of different things the flow started to get weirder and weirder in the games the the Climbing and running got weirder and weirder. Anyway, you know, we're that's not talking Creed. about Assassin's Creed. <laughs> talking about Call of Duty, I think, same as Ferg, I think this is a, a really good move. I find it really weird that people are still doing annual releases for games. When you look at a, an annual release system, it just feels like it's only a recipe for disaster. It's only a recipe for bringing out another full-priced something that is only going to have a handful of things like Ferg said to actually keep the series fresh and engaging for people. I mean, when you look at games like, I mean, th these are games that are pretty straightforward and people get them for, you know, a, they want to play a shooter. They want to play a shooter with their friends. They don't really want to play a shooter for the campaign as far as that's concerned, because they're all kind of the same, Hey, go and blow this thing up and shoot it dead. Great. <laughs> But, you know, um, same with the sort of the FIFA series. I mean, we're getting a FIFA every single year. Not much changes in there except for, like, characters are might better. Or, you know, you get a different team with a more updated team. It feels like a really old formula. And I feel like as much as, you know, we used to play a bit of Fortnite and not that I really care for Fortnite anymore, but I feel like Call of Duty would really benefit from a kind of like a, a season pass sort of structure where maybe there's a handful of maps that cycle through and rotate and that, you know, under the one banner, 
that then from there you can get a season pass and unlock certain things as long as it is still a sort of a fair game kind of thing for people that I feel like is a better opportunity for them to keep this annually released with, well, not annually really released. It's more about kind of saying, Hey, what if we update the game every so often to improve it or to make changes to it that keep it fresh? Because otherwise you're just getting the same kind of experience, but it feels like it's getting worse and worse every time. And so, yeah, so I don't know. I guess so. You, you're sort of suggesting that maybe they keep the Warzone component of Call of Duty, but perhaps do away with the single player campaign. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, you know, after as well, you you look at a series like Bioshock, right, which does single player narrative, first person shooter very very well. Um, it's suspenseful. It draws you in. Um, each iteration of that series does something different to make it feel fresh and to make it feel exciting to grab you into a story for the couple of times I've played a call of duty campaign. And it's only been a couple of times because they bored me to tears. It's just like, you know, I'm trapped. I'm going to get out. I'm going to shoot something. Now I'm a soldier. I'm the only soldier that can do this. Now I'm shooting this thing. I mean, that's like a core element in lots of games, but it's the way that's delivered to you as a player, as I think that makes it, far less exciting to play over and over and over again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I suppose the other follow-on from that as well is with Microsoft buying everyone, so it seems. <laughs> Activision included. Maybe the pressure will be off for them to be the cash cow yeah. every single year and they can go back to the drawing board and give us something a bit different. But like you alluded to earlier in the show, Simon, is people are buying it every single year every year it's the one of the highest selling games so people are still yeah. buying it and enjoying it and they're it's obviously kind of, profiting from it but I it's think kind of been licensed to print money for activision for a long time now um mm. which i guess is why microsoft wanted to buy it for only a lazy 70 billion dollars mm. <laughs> <laughs> i've got that in my wallet right now yeah. <laughs> of course but uh, you know another big thing will that influenced the reason why Microsoft decided to make the purchase when they did was, uh, I believe it was the CEO of Activision was was under some heavy scrutiny for, uh, I think there was some allegations against him of misconduct of some sort. I'm not fully across all of that, but because of that, the share price for Activision tanked quite a bit and so Microsoft saw an opportunity to pick them up at a premium, you know, so they, they went for it. And you think, well, it's still, a, it's still a solid company. And if you take the allegations against the CEO out of the equation, it still makes financial sense for a company like Microsoft to, to say, well, this, this thing is a machine. This just churns money over when you look at the IP that they've got. Because it's not just Activision, it's also Blizzard. So Blizzard have got you know Diablo, they've got StarCraft, Warcraft, um, Overwatch, Overwatch. They've got a lot of um, a lot of IP on their side, um, and a lot of incredible games. Many of many of them I've played over the years um, in one form or another, and so yeah, I mean. Well, now they've got Crash Bandicoot as well under their wing, and Spyro as well. And I mean, Phil Spencer is a very smart 
business guy. Like he, I feel like he's quite smart. The fact that he stays so buddy buddy with Nintendo and makes sure that a lot of Microsoft games that are doing very well and have like a good sort of niche player base are getting shifted over to Nintendo. That's a really smart move. And it shows us what he's kind of stated they're going to do with um, some IPs from Activision as well, is that they're going to keep them on multiple platforms for now. I think that's really smart because, I mean, I know we're seeing PlayStation do it with putting games on PC now. It's just, it's broadening the customer base and the install base for a lot of these games. And then that's only really going to benefit them and benefit the player base as well because more people are going to play your games and your install base is only going to grow mm. I've got to confess my heart literally broke in two when I found out that Microsoft had bought Bethesda <laughs> the, the thought that we won't see another another fallout another um, you know um, uh, another Skyrim or you know um any of those sorts of games on, on PlayStation in the future. And even um, Starfield, which I know isn't a it's, a... it's a brand new IP. We don't really know a hell of a lot about it at the moment, but um, I still would have probably bought that and played it if it had been available on PlayStation 5, but it won't be. So it's um, just one of those things, I suppose. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens in the future. I, I don't think Microsoft will pull a lot of those Bethesda games and stuff off all consoles. Not in the interim, I wouldn't have thought. They'd be giving up way too much money in, in terms of player base and stuff like that. I think probably what is more likely to happen is that games will be released day one on their Game Pass or there'll be different incentives, I don't know, to play the Xbox it's or funny PC you say or that Microsoft. True. But yeah. Yeah, um, sorry, we'll I, I, I think it's really funny that you say that because that was exactly something that I was thinking the other day. I thought, how smart would it be if you could buy, like, you know, let's just say Call of Duty on Xbox and you get X amount of different content that is available to you if you are, a, a, you know, a Game Pass member, mm. whereas that stuff is, will not be available to you if you buy it on PlayStation. And or you have to pay for it if you get it on PlayStation, something like that, where it actually incentivizes the people that buy it on other platforms to have to pay for DLC, whereas you reward people for buying it on your system. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, makes sense. Anyway, um, moving on, and another pretty significant event that's just happened in the last week would be the release of Elden Ring um, on PC. PS5, Xbox. Um, now, this game, I must admit, I, I haven't ever played any of the Dark Souls games previously. Um, and I haven't yet bought Elden Ring. I'm, I'm not ready to jump into that world just yet because it just looks, it looks massive. Um, and... So I've had a quick scan across across the net, and this this game is getting ten out of tens consistently yeah. from reviewers all over the place. And I mean, you've got the major draw card there that they got George R. R. Martin, the creator of um, Song of Ice and Fire, and the 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 driving force behind the Game of Thrones. TV series, which has been a huge hit 
um, he's written a lot of the the stories and a lot of the lore that exists within the Elden Ring game world. Um, so I mean that alone is a pretty big draw card for it. But then to top it off, um, people are saying the mechanics of the game are, are great. Um, that there's a huge amount of freedom in terms of the open world. You can go anywhere you want and do anything you want and pretty much the only limitations are if you if you try and tackle certain bosses too early in the game before you've had a chance to upgrade and level up your character you're just going to get completely destroyed um but it certainly looks like one of these games i mean everyone's calling it a must play um casey how do you, what's your take on this one do you think this is going to be a must play for yourself I'm literally Googling it now on my phone. I have never Pardon? You're not previously across <laughs> what's going on with Elden Ring? You haven't you haven't heard of it before or No. Have you, Simon? Yeah. I've oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, t- I'm I'm chasing around two small people all day. Um no, yeah, I'm just looking it up, and I, I want it. I want this in my face. It looks amazing. It does. Look it amazing. looks. It looks like a lot of my lot of time and effort, and mm. yeah, it looks I'll... very in depth for us. And I'm always very <laughs> tired when I'm about to play a video game. But yeah, what you, you know how your brother plays the Dark Souls franchise. Yes. yes. So it Same is developer. any time from software from is it from software or from, yeah, software? from software from exactly. software yeah yeah every time from software brings out a game it is punishing as punishing as punishing and so as i know it's one of those games that i'd actually probably like to play yeah but do i have enough time to be good at it that's what <laughs> i don't that's that's what i'm afraid of because i don't want to go getting it and get right into it and love it and just be just bad at it the whole time, you know, <laughs> just not good. But it looks so good. Like yeah. I'm just, I'm, I, I don't know how I haven't heard of it, but I'm just looking it up now and it looks just incredible. But yeah, then again, well, one of the, well, if one it's going to take big... us, if it's going to take us, you know, half a year to play, we want to play something else. That's, <laughs> that, that's our problem. Something new comes out and we're like, oh, we'll just put that aside. And then we forget how to do anything. Again, one of the big sorry. criticisms that I've heard, and to be honest, it, I haven't heard a lot of people criticising it a lot, but they're saying that there's there's no actual quest log in the game. You can go up to an NPC and you know trigger off um, a side quest, mm. and then there's nothing that actually prompts you on the map. There's nothing that reminds you of the fact that you've started this quest. And I'm I'm terrible memory wise. What you have to use your own brain to remember. <laughs> I've heard someone yeah, actually say, it's not really oh, for me. You, know, you need to keep a notebook next to you and take notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know what? I think, I, think I, yeah, nah, a, I might just watch like too much YouTube. hard work to me. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, but when Nintendo re-released, and, re-released Majora's Mask on the 3DS, they gave you a specific thing to track side quests. This is an old game. <laughs> it was called I The still, Bomber's Notebook. I don't want to keep a Bomber's Notebook in real life. I still needed to do a full-on walkthrough online with that game. <laughs> no, so, yeah, once my mush brain at the end of the night. <laughs> It's, yeah, that, so that's the thing with these games. They're very polarizing and you either love that about them or you hate it. Yeah. And My brother why, loves loves yeah. that. He loves, you know, your Dark Souls. He does not stop talking about it. And then we try and get into it. He's like, yeah, my brother's just a big fan as give well. Give me some Pokemon Snap. <laughs> <laughs> I was having a 
I was having a look because, yeah, like similar to your brother, Casey, my brother, he's just had his birthday yeah. and actually bought it for him because he's that big. He's played every yeah. single Souls games, Sekiro, oh, yeah. Bloodborne. He's finished them all multiple times. So he's been hanging out this for this for a long time. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think just before we came on, I think there was about 600,000 people playing on PC and Steam. And I was just having a bit of a look and I was having a look in the reviews actually and the top one, mm. which was the most liked, simply read, and I wrote it down because I had a good laugh, said, play this if you enjoy getting your balls crushed by a hydraulic press. And I think that pretty much sums up all the games that come out of From Software. They're brutal, but again, this is why people like them, so... Yeah, I'm not that kind of personality, unfortunately. It looks cool, no. but yeah, I, I'm not. I. I don't so have I will the, not be the playing. Man power. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to park Elden Ring for the time being because it's um, it's just too much of an investment in time that I can't afford right now, especially as no, I'm working through uh, Horizon. But I will come back to it. I, you know, there's just too much good publicity about the game to to disregard it altogether i look um, forward to your review yeah because that's, well, that's all i'm gonna hear about <laughs> <laughs> so um i guess the, the other the other bit of news that i wanted to cover was um the re-release of cyberpunk 2077 um now this was last week i believe so um they actually released a, a 1.5 patch for the game as well since it's been re-released um and there was there was a list of uh, you know things that they they did to upgrade it and it was all all to do with um enhancements as far as the graphics go so they've enabled a lot of the ray tracing they've done tweaks for the the performance there's there's new weapons there's additional apartments that have been unlocked for V, the main character, um, rebalancing gameplay, um, you know, a, a lot of those sorts of things. I must admit, when I jumped into this game for the first time last week, I knew it was an open world game and I, I had this idea in my head that, oh yeah, it's a bit of a futuristic sort of like Blade Runner-esque sort of environment that you're running around in. And I, I did notice that the game was R-rated here in Australia, um, which maybe that should have been a red flag for me. But you start the game, and as many open-world games where you've got like a generic main character, you customise the appearance of your character right from the get-go. So you pick, am I going to be male or female? Similar to like you did in uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, where you, where you could... A, a male or female variation of uh, Eivor, the main character there. But I thought, well, all the all the artwork shows that the main character of the game is female. So I picked a female character. I thought, yeah, I'll just play through the game as the, the female version. And um, I must admit, I, I went pretty quickly through the customising of the appearance uh, side of things because I'm not really into, you know, tweaking that sort of things. It's not, not big... But as, you, as you're progressing through that, uh, once you've finished customising the face, you hit the next button and the camera pulls back and the character's breasts are exposed, <laughs> fully nude. 
um, as the camera pulls back. And I, it almost knocked me off my chair. I didn't know what to think. It was um, shocking. I, I don't know. What did you think, Ferg? Have you had a similar experience? Yeah, well, I was went through and... I mean, it's it's nice, I suppose, to have that kind of level of customer customization, I suppose. You can go full mangina or wow. yeah, everything. You can really... Is that what we're missing in our open world games? Bit bit more mangina, do you think? Or uh, couldn't hurt, I suppose. Well, you know, it's nice. To, it's nice to have the choice. I suppose is the, uh, I guess, the main thing that we're, we're, we're implying here. But yeah, it just sort of it really shocked me a bit. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Is this is this like a common thing? I've never seen that in a game before. I don't. Not that I can. Because uh, I know. That, I mean. It's it's easy to make another comparison to another CD Projekt Red title, The Witcher, and specifically The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. Um, and towards the the very beginning of that game, there's a few cutscenes where um, uh, where Geralt is talking to Yennefer, and she's in their their bedroom together at the Witcher's Keep, whatever that's called, and yeah, she's fully nude. In those in those scenes, and so maybe this is like a CD Projekt Red thing that they they just like throwing <laughs> nude people into their cutscenes and into their games. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I think if if CD Projekt Red spent half as much time on actually making the game not completely utterly broken than they did on <laughs> making you being able to customize genitalia. <laughs> I feel like Cyberpunk 2077 might have been an okay game. And, I mean, this is me purely talking about... It. No, this is me purely talking about what I've seen about it online and all of the, the controversies surrounding it. I just think that, in my mind, I mean, we already got Sonic 06 and Sonic Boom, Rise of Lyric. We already got games that were so severely not finished. And, I mean... 06 came out in a time where you couldn't just patch a game and it would be fine. Um, but, I mean, it's when this came out, what was it, last year? Um, in 2021, it came out completely unfinished, completely unpolished, promised a next generation um, version of the game that was meant to be there at launch that wasn't. And, you know, a year later, what we're getting, that next generation update, I just think it's a little... Too little, too late. Isn't it like that? Um, no man, no man's sky. No man's sky. What? The I mean, no man's sky was say? a bit of a different Sorry. situation because the the guy was basically had this game almost finished, and then he his entire work area got flooded. Or, yeah, but he didn't you know, need to. He didn't need to go and just it. release the game. <laughs> so I mean, everybody has their choices, but I think that um, th- I, being the game that it was, it was very very ambitious even for a company like city project red i mean it's a very different world to what they were used to crafting in the witcher so to go into something like that and then completely just wreck it i just think to myself like what for for me as a player why would i go and put my time and investment into a game that you launched unfinished now just because you feel like it's okay for you to have tweaked it up again i just don't think that that's appropriate and for me just based off of a moral thing i wouldn't go back and play it even if i did start playing it and and thought to myself this is broken i'm not going to play it again because i mean i think 
as a consumer base, we should be expecting more of these companies that are releasing unfinished products. Yeah. I suppose, yeah, my my experience of the game was slightly different. So I pre-ordered because it. You, because it, you played it. Is that yeah. why? And Simon <laughs> yeah. hasn't played it? Don't I think be the other thing was <laughs> I played on PC, which was, uh, I mean, in comparison to the console release, a, mil- a thousand times better. So I pre-ordered the game, spent 90 bucks, played it. I can't remember why, but I didn't play it the week it came out. And so by the time I got around to it, I think there'd been two major patches. So I played the game relatively free of any really, really bad glitches. I think I might have had one or two crashes, fatal crashes. and um, But for the most part, it actually ran pretty well. The thing with me was Cyberpunk, it just wasn't that good of a game. It was pretty average, to be honest. So it did a lot of things well, but it was sort of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Um, so yeah. I played probably 50 hours on the first first run and I can't remember why, but I stopped playing and I just never went back to it. So I've gone back in the last week and probably spent about 10 hours and, you know, there's a huge list of things they've tweaked and updated and they're all welcome updates, but they still don't save the game from being anything better than what it actually was. So, um, you know. Well done, CD Projekt Red, for sticking with it and making the changes and keep working on the game. Um, well, I mean, I don't know whether this is a lesson that CD Projekt Red are really going to learn because in 2020, they sold 13.7 million copies of the game in yeah. its broken state. It's 2020? Kind of you see, I'm, I'm saying that it came out in 2021. I'm just def- like peeved off about that that it took a year to get an update like that but two years to get an update for it to be you know up there with the seat with the pc version i just think that that is just inexcusable they got us with their bright flashing lights and keanu reeves came out at that press conference and called us all awesome and (laughs) that was it and we can you know we can have the genitalia we finally all want (laughs) 10 out of 10 See, that's that's where I thought you were going with the discussion about Sonic uh, earlier. <laughs> I thought, oh, wow, they, Sega have really come a long way with uh, customising the Sonic character with the digital genitalia. But anyway, <laughs> um, moving on. Yeah. I, yeah, so the updates are good, but have a playing, I don't know, maybe 80 hours. They don't take it from being an average game to an amazing game. So, Well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit of time with it before I make a, a final judgment. What I've played of it so far seems seems pretty reasonable. Um, you know, <clears throat> it's it seems interesting enough to me um, that I want to spend a little bit of time in that world and just have a bit of a bit of an explore. But I don't know. Um, to be to be honest with you, one of the big things that led me to buy it was the fact that it was on sale for like thirty bucks. Mm. And I thought, well, no. for thirty dollars, I'll yeah. I'll have a have a bit of a tinker with it and see what yeah, I think for sure. Maybe if I hadn't pre-ordered it and got my hopes up, I wouldn't be so bitter. Fair enough. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess that leads us up to our next segment, um, which is something that we wanted to explore, and. Um, We're going to call it Turn Back Sarah. Turn Back Sarah. 
turn back before it's too late. And the idea behind this segment is everyone's got one of those games that you, you buy, you start spending a bit of time in it. Maybe you've spent a lot of money on it. Maybe you bought it at the pre-order stage and thought, well, you know, I really need to get my money's worth out of this. Or, you know, it could be a game that's just really big in length and maybe it's been recommended to you by, by a friend or, you know, someone online. And so you start spending time in this gaming world and then you get 20, 30, 40 hours in and you discover you just don't like it. It's just not for you. <laughs> and so you're thinking to yourself, at what point do I do I just cut my losses and, and call it a day with this title? And um, this was something that Simon and I were talking about only a couple of weeks ago. Um, and maybe Simon, you'd like to lead off. Uh, what what is the game in question that we were discussing? We were talking about Deathloop, and oh Turn my gosh, this Sarah. is a spiral and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Death. Uh, it, uh, so this is a game that everyone, when it came out, was just praising so hard. Well, you and know I get what? Why. The reason I wanted to play it is because Joel told me how amazing it was, Joel. <laughs> You were the Turn one that said how incredible this game was. <laughs> yeah, that's well. disappointing. I didn't know that it was a basis of your recommendation, James. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why you know, I recommended it. It's one so, of those things. I mean, and so at was, that point, I hadn't spent a lot of time with the game. Well, you know and... what? I thought the same thing when we first started playing it at the beginning. We were just like, "Wow, this is pretty cool. This is incredible. Yeah. I can see how this is going to get better, and it's going to be more interesting." I think it um, does not. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those games that, I mean, we were. Only, I was only just talking about Bioshock a little while ago. How well, if for anybody of us that's played any of the Bioshock games, how well does the narrative get delivered to you in Bioshock in a way that keeps you wanting to find out more about that world? Um, the way that you pick up, I mean, and similarly delivered to you in Deathloop in a similar way. So you can pick up voice recordings of things and you can see notes scattered around the place but not that we really know what happened (laughs) this is the thing that i find the most frustrating about that game is that at the start it gave you this mystery and all throughout the game it felt like the mystery didn't really it was kind of irrelevant after a while that you kind of didn't care about it after a while. The thing is, I I cared about it, but it just wasn't unfolding. Exactly. I couldn't, just because you don't find the very specific, you know, video clip somewhere random, you you miss out completely. Like we got to, to to sort of summarize it a bit. We got towards the end. We thought we were towards the end and we just, I was sitting there with a walkthrough trying to like, go, okay, you got to go here at midday, you got to go here in the morning, you got to go here at night. And it just became ridiculous. And I'm like, we're not even near the end, I don't think. So we just stopped, went onto YouTube, typed in ending. And we were just like, what I was, the hell yeah. is this game even about? We didn't even have any idea in the end. And we put so much. It just feels time. like that. Yeah. And it feels like there was, um, you know, this, like I said, at the very opening stages of the game, it opens this mystery to you and it sort of sets a scene. Um, I mean, as much as it sets that scene, did I care about the two main characters? Not at all. Uh, the whole time, I just didn't care for them because A, they were just loud and obnoxious. 
the pair of them, like they were both just obnoxious people. And B, like I had no background to those characters that was tangible enough for me to actually go, oh, wow, I really want to know what happens to them. Or, oh, I really want Juliana to, to win. Or, oh, we really want Colt to win. I want to, you know, protect the loop or get out of the loop. At the end, it was just irrelevant. I just wanted to kill the visionaries and finish the game. But and then I got to a point where I didn't want to anymore because it just wasn't fun to do anymore. Well, what did you think, Joel? Do you think the same Turn thing? Turn back, Sarah. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> Every time it gets it. I just, I, look, I wanted to like it and... Hmm there were aspects of the game that I really, really liked, like the integration of the game with the adaptive triggers on the PS5 controller. I think I mentioned to you, Casey, that when you're firing your weapon and the gun jams, the adaptive the adaptive trigger jams as well and doesn't let you fire the gun until you unjam yeah. it and then it releases. And yeah. I thought, I thought, wow, that's, that's an amazing way to... Yeah to use that feature within the game. Um, but, um, yeah, once once the novelty of that wore off, I'm like, yeah, there's <laughs> um, not, a lot of, not a lot of meat left on this bone. So, it's really interesting because nope. it was very well reviewed. It won Game of the Year awards, that, didn't it? Well, that, yeah. But I've heard, not. yeah, similar. Some people love it. Some people really dislike it. Yeah, but those people that love it are lying to you because yeah. or they just or they're in their basements and that's all they did for about a week <laughs> it's just got so good at knowing all the stuff oh, i'm gonna figure out everything to do with the death loop and then i'm gonna finish it you know but in my mind i kind of go well i don't want to feel like i'm studying when i'm playing a game like i want to feel like that there is a path for me to go and that for me to get there i need to use my intellect but i don't have to think about if Jim is going to be smoking at 12 o'clock, that's when I've got to kill him because then I'm going to have to go and tell Diane that I, <laughs> I want her to pat the cat, you know? Like, that shouldn't be a part of what I do in the game. It's it's irrelevant to me having a good experience as a player. I know. I just think that if they just sprinkled out a little few more story nuggets throughout there that were, you know, they forced you to listen to, yeah. like a main story nugget, every now and then I would have kept would have kept me more intrigued to get Maybe to the ending because yeah like i said we watched a yeah we watched a youtube clip about the ending and we could not even i, I won't give anything away but i just was i didn't even know what i was playing for the past two weeks i couldn't believe it i was like that's not even i don't even <sighs> it's finished now we're over yeah, we're done I, I feel your frustration <laughs> it's okay so did you get to yeah. the end or not pulled the pin no. <laughs> Pulled the pin, looked it up on YouTube, and I went, well, I'm so glad I didn't waste the rest of my time playing this. <laughs> Just had to watch the ending, and I was like, okay, well, Well, because we didn't have specific guns that you needed to do a very specific thing at a specific time of day because you had to go get this specific. It was too specific for us, and we just, nah. Mm. Bah, bah. Well, all right, so that's Deathloop. Um <laughs> 10 out of 10. Awesome. Um, <laughs> all right, Ferg, uh, do you have a, a, a title that you'd like to table for, for, for this for segment? Under the bus. <clears throat> um, yeah, my game, another disappointment. One that I've bought recently, which again, I've been burnt. I think I've bought maybe less than a handful of games 
either pre-ordered or close to release in the last five years and all the ones i bought seem to have let me down so today my game is battlefield 2042 turn back before it's too late oh man <laughs> i love it <laughs> this yeah i mean it's been well documented how unfinished and unplayable this game was um i don't know i suppose of a bit of background info i think i've bought and played on release nearly every battlefield game since number three so I'm like a huge fan of the series. Their last couple of entries haven't been too good. Um, number five was pretty bad on release. And I don't know, played the beta, looked at it, thought it was pretty broken. The other thing as well, I've got this weird, weird rule that I like to follow, which I um, help to use and help decide, I suppose, justify how much money I spend on video games. So I've got this thing where I like to spend a dollar and get an hour's worth of value out of it. So if I'm looking at a game and it's a hundred dollars and this doesn't always work because there's a lot of really good games, which don't last a hundred hours. So you got to take it with a bit of grain of salt. But when battlefield came out, I waited and it was on sale for 60 bucks. So I thought, you know what, if I spend 60 bucks, I should be able to get 60 hours of gameplay out of it. And if I can, I'll be happy. So I played probably the first 20 hours and it wasn't too bad, but by the time I got to about 30, it was just really starting to grind. Like, it is not a good game. And so I persevered for, I think I got to 45 hours, and I was trying to get to 60, oh. and the only reason I couldn't get there is because no one's playing the game anymore. Everyone's just cracked it. <laughs> like, you'd log on, and there'd be like less than a 1,000 people playing. And, you know, wow. when you're playing a big and you know the big update with this game was 128 player battles in one game and there's only 1500 people playing on pc at the same time so i got 45 hours and couldn't find a game and and cracked it and left it at that so so it sounds like i love um, your determination i know i tried really hard the players had sort of said turn back sarah (laughs) yeah (laughs) well you know I, i haven't played um battlefield so i've but yeah. I, you know, based on what you're saying, it sounds like it's um, I've saved myself a bit of time and money there. Um, well, aside from wondering whether um, Elden Ring's uh, something that's going to fall in this category, you know, uh, before I go and sink you know, a million hours into that, um, I, I guess yeah, much like Simon, I spent a whole heap of time playing. Deathloop before I finally pulled the pin on that and decided to consign that to the scrap heap. But one of the one of the big ones for me, um, and it pains me to say this because I've typically been such a huge fan of um, LucasArts and all the Star Wars games that they brought out, you know, through the '90s and into the 2000s. But um, Jedi Fallen Order. Turn back, Sarah. What? I don't know. I don't even know where to start on this game. But, like, you know, I finished the first couple of missions, um, barely unlocked any of the, the skills on, on the, the Jedi skill tree that you're meant to, to unlock. Got to this level um, on on some planet I've never heard of. It's I think it's something out of the Clone Wars or something, something I've never seen. 
and um, and I'm just going up. I'm not even up against bosses, but just just random, you know, uh, enemies that you just come across as you're making your way through the level. And time after time after time, I was just getting absolutely destroyed. I'm a Jedi Knight with a lightsaber and the powers of the Force behind me. And, you know, these <laughs> slug creatures are coming out of the swamp, you know, throwing a bit of uh, muck at me and, and I'm just, just dead, you know. And I, I really, really wanted to, you know, like the game. And it was just one of the most frustrating and, you know, really awful experiences I've I, ever had. I don't the... think you should play Elden Ring, Joe. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> certainly, certainly looking that way, but it's, um, I don't know, it's just one of those carrots that's sitting there dangling and everyone's saying how good it is and you're just sort of mm. wondering, well, it might be good, but is it good for me? Mm. Um, Death loop, but, Death loop. I don't know. I was sort of expecting something more along the lines of Star Wars The Force Unleashed, which I adored. I thought that was a, a great game, really fun, um, fantastic integration of, the force powers and and how you use them and everything and um even to the point where you know they had um the main character pull a star destroyer out of the sky using the force in in one mission which i just thought was was incredible it's not something that i'd ever seen in a game up to that point um and then you had this stinker that came out you know um i think it was ea this this particular title they've got the star wars license now um, and that's since, half the um, issue electronic arts yeah well i don't know but he, i can i'm gonna weigh in on this a little bit when they release a full um, order two i will not be in the queue <laughs> with my hard-earned cash in hand that's for sure no it's such a good point i think um with games that give you a protagonist or a person to play as that is meant to be extremely powerful and then you are kind of forced to play with that character as if they're sort of like a peasant it it completely tarnishes the experience because i mean it's this it's the same if you think of it with superman superman's mega powerful if you put superman into a game you want to feel like you are playing like superman you want to feel really powerful you want to feel really fast but you then need to put something in front of Superman that's actually going to be hard for Superman to beat. Like if you're just running around throwing cars at people, I mean, that's just a GTA five mod, isn't it? Like there's no point playing a game like that. And I think with a game like um, a Star Wars game, like you said, Joel, if you're playing as a Jedi, you want to feel like a Jedi. And if you're going up against like, you know, just a whole bunch of sort of peasant people, thugs that are shooting you and just like one shotting you around the place. You don't feel like a Jedi anymore. And it takes you out of the experience. It's the same when they gave Sonic a run button in lost world. It's like, he's the fastest thing alive. Why do I need to press a button to make him go that fast? Like, and it's clear, like in no game that you're playing a Sonic game, except for maybe unleashed and generations and Sonic colors to a degree. Do you actually feel like you're really fast? Like it just doesn't, add up so it completely takes you out of the experience and i just think like i, I see what you're saying and not that i've played um the game but I, that me just hearing about that frustrates the living daylights out of me mm. well um 
I think that's probably going to be all we've got time for this week. Um, maybe we'll park the, the chat about Pokemon till next week, if that's okay, guys. Yes, please, because I don't know how I feel. Can I just... <laughs> Didn't a Pokemon game just come out? Is yeah, Pokemon, Pokemon Legends Arceus just came yeah, out not so... very long ago. They're already talking yeah. about a new one. And now they've already announced only days ago a new one um, for the end of the year. For the end of the year, which looks in the main lines entry of the series. Which anyway looks looks incredible. But way I'm better always... than what we're playing, and <laughs> we can talk about that next time. I'm very skeptical about we everything are... the Pokemon Company does now, <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> No worries. All right, well, uh, that that about wraps up the podcast for this week. Um, this has been the Discerning Gamer podcast. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, Simon and Casey McLaughlin. La, 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 la. And Fergus Hamilton. Thanks, JB. And uh, if you like the podcast, please uh, leave us a review on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, everyone. Bye. See ya.